This is the Hunt Quietly Podcast. I'm Matt Ranella. Jeremiah going. Do you go by Jeremiah mostly? Uh, yeah, yeah. My family calls me Jeremy, but I prefer Jeremiah. Oh, yeah, because it's kind of like uh, Jeremiah Johnson. <laughs> right. Yep. Totally. <laughs> I think I think a good hunting name would for you would be Theseus. Theseus? Why is that now? Do you know who he was? No, I don't. He was a Greek. He he was a Greek mortal, but oh, in and uh, he. You've heard of the Minotaur? Okay. You've have you heard of it? He was like a half man, half half horse or something like that. Half bull. Ah, okay. Yeah, I yeah. heard of Minotaur. Yeah. So there was this labyrinth, the labyrinth of Crete, and in Greek mythology, and uh, there was a um the Minotaur lived in that labyrinth and he was a real he was a real problem i think it was king minus he kept throwing people in there and they kept getting killed by him oh and then theseus he went in there and and killed the minotaur and his his love interest ariadne she she gave him a a very thin golden cord that he drug behind him and he was able to make his way out of the labyrinth by following the golden cord okay um i also just found out because i was doing a little reading on theseus that he also descended into hades at one point and came back from there so the reason i think theseus is a good name hunting name for you is because you've descended into the hell of the hunting industry yeah and um resurfaced yeah i guess you could say that um and you know i still have a lot of people that you know friends that i've made from the hunting industry but the hunting industry as a whole seems like from when i was a kid you know, growing up in the eighties, uh, I just got in, just got into hunting because I loved being outdoors and stuff. And now, you know, it seems to be hunting and the hunting industry is more about products and pushing products than it is actual, actual hunting or anything to do with conservation anymore. Um, that's something I've that's kind of piqued my interest now too, you know, as I've gotten older and found my love for hunting again, that there is absolutely zero efforts in conservation within the hunting industry. It seems like there's things that, and I couldn't name one, but I know there's organizations that seem to be um, pushing for conservation, but they're really not. It's, it's kind of like a cover to be involved in the hunting industry. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, I, I, maybe if I, if we, maybe if I looked harder, 
and maybe you could help me with this. If we, if I looked harder, I'd find that some some companies are do are actually doing good on the ground work. I, but my, yeah. but I'm not. I'm, I'm aware of very little. It just seems like something that they flippantly say. Mm-hmm. I ha- I have a and 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 the, the thing. Another thing is that I think of is every bit as important for customers of the hunting industry is access and you hear even less they have less achievements there they're in matter of fact they're terrible for access in my view um so um tell me tell me about I want to, one thing I want to get a sense for is psychologically, how did your involvement in the hunting industry, and we haven't even gotten into what your involvement really was, but if you take me from, could you take me from the beginning tell me about your, what hunting meant to you before you were involvement? You know, it was just a passion. And then, for- and then, and then, tell me about your involvement and how that changed your relationship to hunting. And then, it'd be also to hear, like, if you've it, what where what you feel like your relationship is with hunting now that you're not involved anymore. So the whole arc does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I first got into involved with hunting with my grandfather in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Um, and I, I fell in love with this. It was, he, he got me into, uh, bird hunting, rough grouse, loved it. Um, so I started there, got into deer hunting, completely fell in love with that. And honestly, for years, I would say close to 30 years of my life. That is all I would think about year round was deer hunting. I loved it. Um, and then, you know, did that for a number of years in my thirties. I made some friends that were involved in the hunting industry and I kind of got caught up in it there. Um, and the more I was involved with, you know, uh, say scent companies, um, a camel company, um, and even a fitness hunting fitness group, (laughs) um, the more it became about, pushing a product than it was about getting out and actually hunting. So yeah. So day to day, what were you doing with these scent clothing and fitness companies? So I, I started out as you know, what they call pro staff members, which is a pro, pro promotional staff member. People get it mixed up. They get into the hunting industry and think it's professional staffer, but it's not. Oh, until this very second, that's what I thought it was. <laughs> no, no, it's promotional staff. They call it pro staffer, I think, to rein you in. Okay. And that's what I thought when I first got it. I was like, oh, I'm a pro staffer now. Hey, man. I'm, <laughs> you didn't even know it. I have staffer. made it, given I was <laughs> a professional. But, you know, so they give you this little discount. Um, you use it on their products, and they expect you to get them content. So it became, every time I was out in the woods, I would hunt, you know, I'd take these little tree stand selfies, post them, blah, blah, blah. So um, you, this is was in the social media era when you... Yeah, started. Facebook, okay. Facebook, totally Facebook. If you look back on some of my Facebook from 
four years ago, it was basically glamour shots of me in the tree stand. Oh, that recently. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I don't do it anymore. I haven't done that for a couple of years now because that started to bother me. It's kind of narcissistic in a way. What were you? What were you? you okay. You were selling scent products. And what was the, um, what do you want to say what the brands were or not? Um, one was, uh, Bucks and Beards, which has been sold. I'm still friends with the owners of that. They're out of it completely. Um, but they, they got me my start. What do you mean? Like they're out of it. How could they be out of it? They completely? sold, they sold their company. They sold the company. Don't even do anything with that anymore. In fact, neither of the guys have anything to do with the hunting industry anymore. One of them went into taxidermy. He's in Kentucky. Oh, uh, what's Bucks and Beards? Is that the Bucks and Beards? Bucks and Beards. Yeah. I was like, um, it was basically, I don't, I don't know why they came up with the name Bucks and Beards. It was more of a, a deer scent attractant company okay I'm not sure. you know as beards for turkeys but did they you know, did they collect did they have captive deer that they collect collected urine from or something no they didn't personally but i know that where they got their urine products from was captive deer yeah okay not they, sure who that was you know yeah um but you know i got I let myself get caught up in everything that I saw everybody else doing and thought that was what you needed to do to be a hunter. You know, you needed to have these products and you need to have these, um, you can't call them sponsors because they weren't sponsoring anything. Um, uh, companies and put the stickers on your trucks and look, well, what them. is the difference yeah. between, so they, they were, they would give you free stuff, right? They would give you discounted products. Um, I ended up, you know, I ended up being come becoming very close with the owners of each company that I got involved with. So I would eventually end up taking a little part of managing things for them. Um, when so, you say that you, you weren't being sponsored, like in, in, in the parlance of the hunting industry, what different, what, what has to happen for you to say that you were sponsored by these people? Or these companies. So basically companies can give you a product sponsorship, which is just the free product that you want. You just come up and say, Hey, I need this. I need this. But or, you weren't even getting that. Uh, at the end I was with, okay. the, camel, with the camel company. Okay. Uh, because I did a bigger, a bigger role with them uh, as a director. Um, and that was directing all of the, uh, the pro staffers and keeping them in line and doing whatever, uh, making sure that they were, promoting the product in a respectable way um, um was there a i've got so many questions now um so yeah just bear sure with me a little bit because not now i'm deviating from what i asked <laughs> you to do but i just have i want to get some clear we're, we're going to go get back on to like how it made you feel and and and, and how it changed sure. you as a hunter and all that but um uh, so you, you with the with the with the fitness company what was the deal there uh how do you mean deal what what what, were, what do they sell that someone needs when they're taking picture when like how would one taking pictures of themselves in a tree stance lend itself to selling fitness products that didn't even involve being in a tree stand that was just uh so basically the guy that started it 
um, from Wyoming. Um, and it was a fitness program for people that did Western hunting. So, okay. you know, getting into shape for hunting. Do you want um, to say who that is or you? I'm not even going to mention his name. No. Nope. Okay. Um, there's uh, reasons for that and I'll get into them later, okay. but I, I don't want to mention his name. Um, not because I have respect for him, but because he doesn't deserve to be mentioned. Okay. Um, so this, there's a, that's become a garden industry now is hunting is, fitness. Well, like experts teaching you their course. You oh know? yeah. Right. And you'd pay this guy to have him send you workouts oh. um, to do. And then of course, you know, it started getting into the same thing is what happens with every hunter that wants to get in the hunting industry is what kind of products can we get? You know, what kind of products can, can sponsor us? Can, can we push, can they get us this? Can they get us that? And it's just the, it's just a big vicious circle with everything is, is product pushing. And so he was trying to build this team of fitness people to build a business on. And, um, you know, that got, that got really blown out of proportion. Um, and he was looking for fit, fit hunter people, fit hunter people. And I, when I got into it, I wasn't fit at all. And the program actually worked. It was awesome. It was in the best shape of my life. I went well, from sitting, sitting on the couch to running half marathons. So, <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, no, it actually worked. But uh, the guy was out for only himself and used a lot of people to get there. So, how so? Um, so, every time he wanted to get a certain product, he would ask the. What do you mean, get a certain product? Uh, sponsorship. Oh. For, for his group. So, we pushed so his. And, and you pushed his, the exercise stuff in his mm-hmm. class, but he also would try to get other companies yeah. to sponsor his, um, yeah. hunter athletes. Yeah. And he was successful in doing it with some, some camel brands, but they, he would jump to other brands because they give him something better right away. So he ruined a lot of relationships for a lot of people within that group because they, they'd vouch for him and it was just. It was a joke, really. I mean, it's not even in existence anymore. I don't know what he does, mm. you know. Um, so, so I got I ventured into that, um, and I guess I guess the biggest thing was, man, I don't know. That was just a that was a hard a hard thing, a hard group because what ended up happening was he had this uh, the owner of this group or company that he was trying to start had a dream hunt for um was it uh what are the white mountain goats mountain goats yeah are they just mountain goats i don't know <laughs> i don't know you are, you are I, I have midwest, no idea you are a midwest guy <laughs> yeah. so mountain goats in alaska right he uh-huh. took one of the he took one of the guys out there to videotape this and on the way up the mountain this gentleman ended up getting injured and couldn't make it up the mountain and the owner got extremely mad at him and left him on the side of the mountain to continue up the mountain with the, with the guide to go oh, on the wow. side and just left this guy there. Well, it sounds like something that Injured. would, ha- it sounds like something that would, that would happen on K2. K2. Like K2 is one of those mountains that people climb oh. all the time and die, you know? Oh yeah. Okay. In, in K2. Nepal. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's funny. I just watched a program on, nepal um 
but yeah, so left him there. I mean, there's left him there. In, what was the injury? He blew out his knee or something. I can't remember. And it this was, is it was the bad. this is the guy that owns the fitness company. Left one of our members there on the side of the mountain and continued up with the guide. Okay. So the member had to get find his way. How did the guide feel about that? You know, I I don't know. I'd never talked to him. I would assume he felt fine with it because he continued up with him. Yeah. Um, and so you know, that started the downfall of the whole group because it kind of showed who the owner was. Yeah. You, know, you don't do that to somebody. No, how, hell no. I mean, I don't care how much you paid for a hunt, which I'm sure it was ten thousand dollars, whatever. You don't do that to somebody. No, no. That was the downfall of the group right there. Everybody kind of just left. I'd say. uh, Okay, so a couple questions here. One question is, I have a a feeling that people will resort to questionable behavior when they're, when, when hunting. Mm-hmm. when there's a need to generate content absolutely that was what it was all about yep because he couldn't get the footage now that he needed to use to promote himself and his company so the guide had to take some video and they got shots of his successful hunt and yada yada but it, you know it wasn't it was at the cost of a very good a very good guy you know like he like like you mean he was he, he obviously made it out of there. Well, he didn't die. No, not the cost of his life. Yeah, but <laughs> I yeah, but you know he yeah. he got his his priorities were pretty freaking screwed up. Yeah, yeah, it became about himself and what he wanted, and that was more important than anything. Yeah, absolutely anything. I think and, that's why a lot of hunting celebrities get caught poaching is because they there's absolutely. pressure to generate content. You know. Right. Well, Did you feel pressure to uh, make more kills than necessary to feed yourself when you were involved in this? I, I think so, because now I don't care if I harvest anything. I mean, I do. I want to, but I don't feel like I have to. I have to. I have to. And I guess that was something I kind of did to myself, too. I can't blame anything, but it was just because what what's promoted hunting industry wide you have to be successful and you have to get you have to to be uh, called a hunter you know you have to you have to harvest deer you have to get deer you have to prove that you can do it to be considered a hunter um so i guess yeah i i felt that pressure every year and that's what there's something that preceded this that really got me to left me a sick taste in my mouth about the hunting industry but that really started to not become a stressor but the need the feel the feeling to need to do that overtook what i actually got into hunting for yeah for the love of hunting and now it was i got to shoot something so i can put something on the internet so i can get likes and it makes me feel better about myself and maybe this company will use it and put me on their webpage which i didn't get anything big enough to merit that i guess but um, I always got my buck, uh, looking back on it in some of the pictures, why did I shoot that buck? And it was at the expense of my feeling I needed to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, 
Do you think that that's pretty common when people start to get wrapped up in the hunting industry? Absolutely. Absolutely. You hear it on certain TV programs, you know, that they need to get stuff. And it's, it's right down to even that they need to get something on camera. Like you, you talk about kill shots a lot being on camera and it's not needed. Well, it isn't, but they specifically get them and you can hear it on certain TV programs. I can't remember the what, what ones, but I was watching one once and this guy wouldn't shoot this really beautiful animal because the cameraman couldn't get it on camera. <laughs> What's, and that's more, that's happened more than <laughs> once. And if you watch a TV program, what, what is the point then is, is the, are you into hunting? Or are you into just killing? Yeah. You know, it, and even during these programs, you can see, you know, they have their certain product placement and they have their little commercials or, Hey, this is the product you should use. And it's hard to believe when they push these products, because from, I'm saying this from experience, from people who have approached the companies that I was with, they will come and ask you for sponsorship. So, so money, because they're going to be on the pursuit network or whatever, and they have to pay for that program, whatever the price is, I don't know, but they'll just go and ask a bunch of companies, Hey, will you sponsor us? This is what we're doing. This is how many views we get. How much money can you give us? And they don't care about the product. They care about the money. Right. You know, and this happened with a, a guy I know started a, a group and there he was putting his show on TV and he approached me about um, sponsorship, but I saw the email come into the company for sponsorship. I knew who it was. So I contacted him. Hey, wait, wait, which, which company now? It's the camel company. Okay. Um, yeah. And wanted sponsorship. And I'm like, okay, so you really want to use prime one? He's like, yeah, but you know, to be honest with you, I got to pay the bills. So, <laughs> I was like, so I didn't even approach the owner about him. I didn't even, I didn't even tell her about him. Wait, uh, you gonna bet? Try this. Try this again. Back, back okay. up and give me the details a little bit more. So, okay. The the camel company. Who came to the camel camel company? Uh, this this gentleman I knew who started a, a TV show. Okay. He came to the camel company looking for sponsorship, financial sponsorship, sponsorship, and camel sponsorship. Okay. To, He's to like, give me the show. If you give me some money, I will. I will use your product. Use your product. Okay. But then there, you know, it's money plus uh, they, you got to give them all the product they want and keep I them see. Happy. I see. You know, there's no money behind it. They're not going to use it, which he basically said was, you know, I sure I'll use it, but to tell you the truth, I got to pay the bills, which meant I have to pay the TV company to get my program. On. Right. Right. Cause that's how this whole thing works. Right. And, but, yeah. And that you that were, you, you had assumed at this point, the role of being a liaison between uh, aspiring hunting celebrities and the owners of the company to a certain point. Yeah. If I, if it came across me, yeah, I would, I would approach her about it. Or if I found, you know, uh, a, a guy that I hit it off with or something and say, Hey, you know, this guy would be good for, for sponsorship or whatever. He mm -hmm. could get your name out there and send him, send him their way. How are you rubbing elbows with people? It sounds like you weren't just doing this remotely, but that you would go to you know, trade I would, I would shows work. or. Yeah. I would do some trade. So trade show stuff, but I mean, I wasn't like a big shot or anything. I was just a normal guy that worked for companies. Uh, but you know, you could get into talking to some of these, these people like, uh, 
when I was at um, was at Deer Fest down in uh, West Bend, Wisconsin. Um, I was working with a, a company, and one of the guys from uh, gosh, what is it? They're from Canada, catching deers. Um, is that a show? They have a show, and I forget what I don't know. I don't think the, it's the same name as Catching Catching Deers is their brand. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, I, I ended up talking to what do they make? Um, uh, apparel. Oh, it's apparel. I have one of their hoodies. It's comfy. Um, but you know, I I uh, would talk to him every time I would see him at West Bend. So I mean, as far as rubbing elbows and stuff, you know, it, it was more with companies like HHA. Like, you know, hung out with those guys for a while. And um, there's some other companies. It was, I haven't done this for a couple of years. I haven't made it to any shows because I had the opportunity to go to ATA and it totally ruined me on ever wanting anything to do with a hunting show again, which yeah, is the tell, Archery Trade Association. Yeah. Tell me about that experience. Oh. So you need an invite to go to this, this right? Oh, I didn't. Invite. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. So your media you could get there. Yeah. That would be, that would be fun for you. <laughs> that would be really fun for you. I, I f- kind of feel like they would somehow find a way to not have me there. <laughs> Just follow them around. <laughs> um, so um, I got invited with, by uh, one of the companies I was working with. Um, and I was excited to go. It's something I've always wanted to go to. And, you know, it's like one of the, you tell your friends in the industry, I, I, I got an invite to ATA. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, how did you get in there? <laughs> is it, where is it? Is it the same place every year? So it's in Indy certain years and then it's in uh, Louisville. Okay. So I'm not sure where else it's been, but the one I was in was in Louisville. Okay. I um, think it's coming right up here. Cause a guy that I'm having on the podcast is saying he was going to it. Yeah. It's usually in January, end of January. Okay. Yeah. In there. Um, but that really started me thinking about the hunting industry and what it was really about. Because after I, I went there, I really didn't, it started my, my distaste, I guess. And just seeing how it really was. Cause it was a bunch of guys running around frantically from booth to booth, you know, company to company, like bear archeries there, whoever big names in the archery industry, and just trying to work these deals with them and they got their bedazzled jeans on and everything and they're looking cute and it's just it really rubbed me wrong oh like, yeah this is what the hunting industry is it is doing this like this is this is what the basis is i that's this has nothing to do with hunting what i grew up doing was hunting this isn't hunting this is walmart you know product pushing I, it was it what just, percentage it, of these people that are peddling themselves peddling so what they're i'm imagining what they're doing is they're trying to find people to give them money companies mm-hmm. to give them money to yep. pay, so that they can pay for airtime to yes. sell the company's products right absolutely that's what, what percentage of these folks that are approaching the booths do you think grew up being members of like the grassroots hunting community and what percent of them do you think are just guys that picked up that 
have the right look and picked up a bow a couple of years ago and they're just trying to kind of be a name in entertainment. Gosh. I would like to say it's 50-50, but uh, I'm betting most of them. <laughs> I just had a memory come to mind here about something. Um, most of them are there because hunting is glamorous now, I okay. think. Okay, so they a lot of these folks that are trying to sell their show don't mm-hmm. aren't lifetime long long lifetime hunters they're not they didn't start no. into it as kids okay no no there i had an interaction with a another person at uh the west bend show deer fest um and she was a uh blonde bombshell of hunting at the time mm-hmm. and I thought, oh hey you know hey it's talking to the owner of this company um who sold who does socks um so uh and i said you know she'd be great She'd be great for this. Why don't we go over and approach her? And uh, of course, you know, she knew about the company already. But you know, uh, you know, she came over to our booth afterwards, and the hunt and the the uh, owner of this company took my advice and just gave her like a ton of product, hoping that she would say, "Hey, you know, these are great products and whatnot." She put a little picture out on on the Instagram, and uh, that was it. And he mm-hmm. gave like probably close to a thousand dollars with a product to her out of his wow. pocket. Wow. So, probably, probably didn't recoup that. No, heck no. And you know, and it's actually the product he sells is an amazing product. Oh. They're out they're, they're socks made out of alpaca. Oh, they're there by far. You want, I'm sorry. I'm going on a rabbit hole here. <laughs> you can stop me. No, man. I'm good at rabbit. Holes. I'm sure the listenership <laughs> will be, yeah want to hear about what you know about good socks everybody wants to keep their feet warm well especially me because i had a hard time because in high school i didn't listen to my dad who told me to wear proper stuff in the winter in upper michigan i got frostbite toes because of it and i have very sweaty feet it's a horrible combination yeah i did find these socks right and i first heard about them i'm like yeah these really alpacas any different well it is i mean i haven't had a problem with my feet in the woods i haven't had to leave the woods because of my feet in years five years probably i think there's only one fiber warmer than alpaca what would that be civet it's uh yeah it's uh um muskox oh so i think that's what they call it when they gather it they the way they harvest it is they gather it off of rush in the spring oh so when they're losing their winter coat yep okay so you can imagine how expensive that must be yeah yeah right. and i might have it backwards it might be that civet isn't as warm as alpaca but either way yeah. alpaca yeah. is way the hell up there yeah well it, it's hollow so you know it has very good moisture wicking ability and can stay warm at the same time kind of like i mean wool is kind of the same it, it's warm when it gets wet yeah but, you know and there was a few other things he would put in the sock to help push that moisture up. But yeah, I'd, man, had talked about saving your hunts. That did it for me. Is is that company still going? Yeah, it's it's Al- Altera, Altera Alpaca. It's good. So the Sportsman's Channel and the Outdoor Channel, I correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, but have they 
kind of plateaued and they're not what they used to be. Not as prevalent, not as widely watched as they once were. I would bet that because of what's happening online. Okay. YouTube is the new. YouTube is the new thing. Yeah. Yeah. That makes you know, sense. I don't think, I don't think you have to pay to be on that. Yes. Right. They so you. do you think ATA is as aggressive and perverse now as it was ever? I bet it is because it's just as desperate. There. Yeah, okay. Yeah. The same people are there and they make their living off of that. So they need the money. Yeah. Right. Yep. So, I mean, they're still putting their shows on these networks. I believe like the big ones, like, you know, gosh, I don't know what big, what big shows are out there now. I haven't watched any hunting programming in a long time. No, I major I, league bow hunter. Maybe. Oh, there's something called Hushin. Oh, Hushin. They put their, they put their programs on there. On YouTube, yeah, on YouTube, I think. Oh, are you talking YouTube. about? The, oh, you're talking about on the Sportsman's Channel. Yeah, on the big. Oh, the big okay, I don't. Know. Used to be the big. I don't G. know. I don't know. But what is he? I, I. What is he on? Netflix. Is Netflix. Yeah. Oh, all right. Um. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I don't know what's on there, but it, yeah, it doesn't really even matter to me. It's just like mm-hmm. it's what the what the mechanism is by which you one watches it. Yeah, you know, and you know, all this, this celebrity TV stuff, you can't, anybody that starts hunting or has been hunting, it seems like they have to start a group now. They can't just, be oh a, yeah, everybody's got to be in a game. Go hunting. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, game. we're this group. What do you call yeah. yourselves? Yeah. Who cares? The hunting public, the, <laughs> and there's duck ones I know, like, oh you know there's duck guy groups yeah yeah it's so it's yeah. so fucking junior high to me man it's like yeah who want yeah um i don't uh, like it either i don't like it either i i did and now i see it yeah and and i don't like it um any more you want to say about ata no it's just I don't know if it deserves any more time. It's just, it is what it is. It's, it's something you told me on the email that you were, that it, it, it made you feel like giving up hunting. Oh yeah. Yeah. After that, after I thought about it for a while, it was probably last year, maybe the year before. I just, I didn't know if I wanted to be a part of hunting anymore, which Hunting doesn't have anything to do with the hunting industry, if you think about it. I mean, it does, but what I started hunting for didn't, and that really affected the way I looked at it yeah. when I was in the woods. It's just like my heart was out of it. And then we were talking on the phone there in what was it, November? Um, I mm-hmm. mentioned that you know hunting in northern Wisconsin on all that public land and just walking for a long time and just finding a set of tracks and following it and whatnot. That was what lit a fire in me again okay being able to hunt again just hunting for what it was for you know walking for a long time and not seeing anybody which is getting that doesn't happen anymore this year but um just being out there and enjoying it and the peace and quiet and so you've recovered what brought you to it in the first place it started to yes it's coming back for sure yep um because i feel that fire i i love I mean, that's how I grew up, grew up hunting, you know, around, you know, where Nagani is, right? Mm -mm. In the UP, it's by Marquette. Okay. 
So I know where Marquette is. Yeah. So then you you go west a little bit, about five miles in the counties there. I Um, see. So there's the Dead River. My dad had bought property on there and built a house. And there's big, big oak valleys. And they run right down to the river. And I could walk those those oak ridges. I mean, it. some of them were a couple miles long where I could. It would take me all day to walk oh, that. Oh, that sounds and wonderful. Just, and just being there and, and getting so close to deer like that, like you had to work at to get that skill up to do that. That was an accomplishment. With your bow? Uh, not so much with my bow. It was, it was rifle hunting. I didn't start bow hunting until about four years ago. I think the hardest thing to do in North America, at least, would be to stalk a, a white-tailed deer mm-hmm. in in timber yeah. and shoot and shoot it with a bow. That is a. Uh, I would love to do that. That that's my goal, actually. Really, you know, rifle is just to get up on something. I don't want to shoot something at three hundred yards with my rifle. I want to shoot it because I saw it and I got close enough to it. What's, cl- what, what's close enough in your view? Oh, geez. If you could get up to 20 yards. On With your rifle. That'd be fun. Yeah. I, the closer, <laughs> the better. Yeah. What's the furthest you'd shoot with your rifle? Well, being in the in the woods, it's kind of hard to shoot further than you're lucky to get 100 yards, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just so thick in there. And if you go beyond 100 yards, I think it's a little bit irresponsible because you don't know. You can't see what's that far out even in your scope i mean there's a there's a branch or something there you're not going to see it what if it ricochets off and wounds you wound an animal mm-hmm. or something that in my opinion yeah i don't want to push it yeah. yeah yeah so um anything else about that stuff i'll ask you a few other things Did it, but, uh, about just just getting back into the love of hunting yeah um, the less I took, a, I took a while off social media uh, here this fall. Um, it was both inadvertent and purposefully. I switched cell phones and I didn't have access to it. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to get access back to it because I need to release the, the cord there of, of social media, the drop. Mm-hmm. And it really made me feel better just not having anything to do with it. And I still have it, but I don't post. I didn't post any success pictures this year like i would have in years past um i have them on my phone and like you say i can show a buddy if i want to right why do i got to show everybody um and i just don't use it like i used to it was becoming too much of a the social media is narcissistic i mean it's all this look at me stuff right Mm -hmm. post stuff to feel better about yourself because people like it yeah the reason why you would post that you know um so I'm losing my train of thought here, but <laughs> no, it's, that's, you know, I think social media has done a lot of damage too, to hunting. Yeah. You know, it's a bragging post now. It's not, there's yeah. no to it. There's no anything. People try to make parallels between putting dead and dying animals on public accounts and the brag board at the sporting goods shop when, the, when, they were a kid and try to argue that, that that's the same somehow the same thing but it's just like uh, it's just I, how in the world is that the same thing it's not <laughs> you, you go to so in wisconsin you used to be able to you'd harvest a deer and you'd have to go to a certain gas station business to register your deer 
And there'd be all these other guys there registering their duty to share your stories. It was fun, right? Right. Now, that wasn't bragging. That was sharing your experience with another guy. Well, there might have been a little. There might have been a little. There might have been a little bragging. Well, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mean, I'm sure. Yeah. You get a big buck that's bigger than somebody else's. Yeah. You can brag, right? Yeah. (laughs) But it wasn't showing it to the world. Yeah. There was that small little community. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I'm going to, I have a couple questions I want to ask. Well, oh, here's one thing I wanted to say before we get into that is that, okay. you know, we have our own, we have a hunt quietly Instagram now. Oh, and if you read, people are coming at me now with this. Oh, I thought you were, if you, I've written two articles. Mm-hmm. And, uh, one of them is on hunting social media and it says in the, the opening paragraph, I could, I could read it, but Mm -hmm. I'll paraphrase. It says I'm all for using social media to make hunters aware of things, the hunting community aware of, of things that they should be thinking about or acting on mm-hmm. um so but people keep coming at me now with oh i thought you didn't like owning social media <laughs> so really the only the only thing with the only thing i've come out with against with hunting social media really is the dead and dying of the animals and gloating about your gloating about one's glamorous hunting lifestyle yeah so um, yeah, we, we do have one. And what I was going to say is even that makes me feel icky, man. <sighs> like I'm going to keep, I'm doing it because I'm doing it because I'm com- for now. I don't know for how long, but for right now I'm committed to what I'm doing mm-hmm. and, and being committed to me, me, I'm, I've always been an all or nothing person. And if I'm, and because I'm doing this, I'm going to do it all the way. And I got to, I got to reach out to people. I got to, I got to make my points and that's how you make your points in the modern era. But I find myself, Oh, I'm checking it every few hours after a po- I make a post. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Like, and it, it is, it's just it, it, that, that is, that is the same impulse that makes somebody want to put their big buck up on. Mm-hmm. and and see what kind of reaction it gets and yeah. it, it is not it is not the key to happiness it just isn't and that's what society overall not just hunting has become oh yeah facebook oh, yeah. is their happiness it's their god yeah it's, you know it's yeah. it's it's what makes them it's, i mean there if you look at some of the news reports there's been kids that have actually taken their own lives because of things that were said on social media how sad yeah. is that yeah, the, we I had a, a mental health professional on Matt Feinauer, who's actually been helping us with yeah. things since, and we were talking about well, uh, the there's uh the the psychiatrist um Jonathan Height oh okay who who's done a bunch of work on on the adolescent girl suicide epidemic in this country oh. mm-hmm. and how it's linked to social media use yeah um 
So yeah, yeah, it's it's nothing to screw around with, that's for sure. No, it's a sad, sad epidemic, if you want to call it that. Yeah. You know? So um, but yeah, I just social media isn't yeah, I use it to post some things every once in a while. I mean, I I I should, you know, I've been looking to get out of the hunting industry for a while now, but most of that is because but you are out completely now, aren't you? Yeah, I don't have anything to do with, okay. with it. Yeah. Um, you know, is but and this is this is off topic and we don't need to talk about it or whatever, but I guess the, the biggest thing is I started to study to be a pastor. Um, and I wanted to get out of things like that because it was taking too much of my time. Oh. But the thing that and that's just recently, I mean that, that's something I've felt in my life since I was 15, but I did want I did start seeing what the hunting industry was doing, you know, and that doesn't, doesn't take away from anything I've, I've said. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. You know, it, it is, it just doesn't, it isn't what I thought it was. It isn't what it's supposed to be. And it's making a lot of things. There's a lot of collateral damage with what's going on in the hunting industry. Mm-hmm. You know? And you, you guys mentioned it a lot on here. It, it has to do with right down to all well, that, that land listing I sent you. Remember that it was like 40 acres for $100,000 dollars and it wasn't even buildable. <laughs> yeah. Right down to that. So a guy like me, if I wanted to look for property, at least around here, it ain't ever happening. No. And that's... Another, another thing for 60 acres and it was $225,000 just down the road from me. Yeah. And so I, because, and, it's, and... because it's hunting property. Well, yeah. It's and, a fad and, now. Yeah. And if it wasn't, if it wasn't for the hunting industry, if it wasn't for hunting entertainment, I shouldn't say the hunting industry because you got to have a bow or something to shoot or a gun. But like, right. if it wasn't for hunter hunting entertainment and hunting social media, there's no way the asking price would be like that. No, no way. And that's just getting that's getting ridiculous over the past few years. You know, I mean, what that the swampy forty acres that's just down the road from me that you couldn't possibly build on would maybe go for twenty thousand dollars. Hmm. I mean, really now. I haven't looked at the price of that one. The one down the road in Dale, yeah, 60 acres for $225,000. Yeah. And the, you know, and there are groups in this country and organizations that try to that that try to acquire land and open it up to public hunting. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, as a consequence of of hunting TV and hunting social media, that's a lot tougher now. You're right. You no, can't go up to somebody and afford it. Property. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. well, that's the thing too. <laughs> it's funny you bring that up. So you know what Verbo is? Verbo. What is that? Vacation, vacation rental by owner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So we we use Verbo for Florida every year. Uh, like your family goes on a vacation there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Every winter we got to get out of this Midwest, you know, dullness of winter. That's where everybody goes from the Midwest. It's oh, it makes me feel so happy. I, I get that seasonal depression, and boy, yeah, I yeah. go there. It's like it's all gone. Yeah, no more. <laughs> Wait, are you in Are you um, in Michigan or are you in Wisconsin? I was raised, born and raised in Michigan, but now I live in Wisconsin, the Appleton okay. Appleton area. Yep. Yeah. Um. So now, okay. So going back to Verbo. So they'll put that. That's a website where you can put your rental property up there, and people schedule it for rental now they have it's like hunting land rental by owner i saw yeah. it, it popped up on my little 
Facebook feed there the other day, and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Oh it, yeah, yeah. So now, now it's it's just going to be completely inaccessible to anybody that just wants to go up and say, you know, hey, can I hunt your property? Do you need help around the property? I'll do that in exchange for hunting. Uh-huh. Know, just yep. let me use your property or for turkey or whatever. Um, it's not going to happen anymore. No, no. You know? Maybe few and far between. Like I got a, a buddy that his dad owns a farm just down the road from me and I can use that for turkey hunting. Mm. Um, mm. I'll, I'll help the guy out cause he's still operating a farm, but just to have the opportunity to go there. I mean, that that's probably the one and only spot that that's going to happen around my home. Yeah. 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 And you can't even hold it against the, the landowner. It's like, if you have some, if, if you have something, anybody that has something that all of a sudden realizes is valuable to other people, they're going to mm-hmm. try to get the most they can for it. Yeah. Right. And that's what, so the, the farmers around here, I'm sure this goes everywhere, but this, the Appleton Metro area is growing so fast that development companies will come in and buy their property anyways for a lot of money. That's what they retire on. I'm sure. And in, in, oh. in the farmer, you know what I mean? I mean, it's not mm-hmm. like they're making money hand over fist. Farmers don't. Right. So that's what they got is their retirement. So, yeah. and even, even if they're renting it out, like you're saying, you can't blame them. That's yeah. supplemental income with yeah. the way farmers get, you know, screwed nowadays. Yeah. Um, I got a couple more questions for you. Yeah. But they're going to be more about me than you. <laughs> okay. You've been following this for a while. Is there any chance it does any good? Oh yeah, I've I've told you that, Matt. It, it like you just started this what last year? Mm-hmm. It takes a while, but trust me, there are more people out there that think the way you do. I wouldn't say on everything, but in the important things that you are that you're shooting for. Um, then you think, and you know, your, your podcast is starting to get traction. I mean, it's getting more popular. I tell people about it. They enjoy it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure, I don't know how you track numbers on a podcast. I don't have one, but I'm sure that your numbers are increasing a bit. Yep. Okay. So that's what it is. It's a little bit by a little bit. I mean, you keep it up. I think you're doing fine. You get the message out there. I think that'll resonate with a lot of people. Not everybody because they're stuck in what they think hunting is or whatever. Um, I mean, well, there's a huge chunk of hunters that hunt private. And so many of the issues that I'm talking about don't apply to them. Right. They don't have to deal with the issues. If, yeah. So. So, yeah, um, I think, I think, you know. I think the issues are important that you're bringing up. I don't think it's something that people would normally think about because they're caught up in some, some other vision of what they're, what hunting should be. Um, and what, you know, and, but, but look at me, I'm a, an example. I was caught up in that. And then I started thinking, and then I found your podcast. I think I got an iPhone and it was on the podcast thing. And I thought, oh, I'll listen to this. Yeah, I mean, it resonated with me right away. Like your points were spot on to what I was starting to feel. And I'm more educated now as to why, because I've listened to your podcast. How do I keep it from becoming stale and redundant? How do you keep it? Mm-hmm. 
different perspectives. I mean, you have, you've have had different perspectives on your show. Not everybody's been on that's been like, you know, uh, on your team, so to speak. Like, who's the Randy Newberg? Randy sure Newberg. Had complete different, you know. Yeah. And I don't know if you listened to the Aaron Snyder one, but. that Was that just recently? Yeah. The, the most recent one. Yeah. I got halfway through it at work today. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I've listened to all of them. So. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I wait for Sunday. That's my. That's uh, <laughs> after church and stuff. I wait for Matt Ranello to post his podcast. I listen to it. <laughs> so, um, you know, the thing I think I need to do more of is there's got to be an ask in here somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I just was on Ben O'Brien's podcast to, uh, that just aired. Do you know him? I don't know him. He used to he used to work for Meat Eater, and we talked oh. a lot about leasing and my views on leasing. Mm-hmm. And there's some asks in there, like don't lease land in a state that has government programs that allow everybody to hunt. That's an ask. Um, if you have to lease land and share it with people, that's an ask. But I think highlighting promoting companies that kind of un- operate under the radar and i've had a couple of them on mm-hmm. um but i need to find more uh, yeah. small companies that don't have well this goes back to our discussion you know these bro bra pro staff generating con- carcasses to sell products sort sort of model you know yeah that's one thing um and then nonprofits that work that do serious work on conservation and access but are in in are not um are not just like the advertising arm for the hunting industry yeah doing it under the guise of something else yeah just get yeah yeah just conservation like i need to get somebody on from the nature conservancy there's some other small profits that work on access and conservation okay. that don't have a, a hunting bent to them because that could lead to asks, you know, yeah. like donate to these groups, you know? Yeah. Give them more traction. Right. Yeah. And, and I guess the biggest thing is, <clears throat> and it, it, I hate to say it, but it's like funding. If they can get the funding, you know what I mean? Is that, does that make sense? To if those groups to can get the bu- access, yeah, to do what they need to do to gain access to these places. So, well, I they do. I mean, the Nature Conservancy manages a lot of land, um, and and they're what pretty well funded. Um, now is that just is the Nature Conservancy that's like a national nonprofit? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, okay, yep. I'm gonna have yep. to look into that. See, I'm just getting into this. Well, that gives stuff. me that gives me that gives me some hope because like if you don't know about them that that means maybe a lot of other hunters don't know about the important work they do either and you know and if 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 there are enough hunters out there that are concerned enough about what's going what what the hunting industry has become maybe Mm -hmm. and 
what I mean, and the nonprofits are just so in bed with the hunting celebrities. Like that's who their board members, their board members are. Oh, geez. You know, it's guiding them then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I I don't know. Those are, those are the things that's kind of where I'm going um, with this now, you know, I'm going to continue to talk to folks like you that have relevant experiences Mm -hmm. and um, concern, you know, and then also try to start to, focus more on what people can do and it's even like just what you just don't do like mm-hmm. you know, some pro- some progress could be me- made just by not doing certain things like not rewarding people that post stuff on the computer with 20 gear company hashtags underneath it and stuff like that well and that's the thing too is some of these people get noticed because of that because of their their popularity on social media and these companies will go after them to promote yeah. stuff. And that's yeah. that's so that a lot of people will do it just for that too. And that's where the whole content thing goes back to. Produce yeah. content so you can get noticed. Yep. Yeah. You know? And you know, going back to the whole uh, you know, public access thing and there I think I texted you about this. Um, there's some programs around here in Wisconsin, kind of like what you guys were talking on one of the programs, uh, block management, block management, but it's not yeah. called block management here. It's, um, let me see if I still have it on my phone. Anyways, it's, uh, Oh, what is that now? Managed forest law and forest crop law is what they're called. So I hunt some of those property. It's not far from my house. Um, and it's a farmer's property that he allows people to only hunt Turkey on in mm-hmm. the spring. Can't hunt it in the fall, but in the spring access. So you go to the parking the parking lot and you fill out a sheet of paper every time you're there to ask you a number of questions. What did you see? Did you harvest anything? How many people did you see? Would you hunt here again? How many hours did you spend? So I fill out one of those sheets every time. It's important. I hope everybody does because that yeah. was the DNR and that's yeah. an important program. Do you know so how it's they funded? Get, they get tax breaks. Oh, property that's tax cool. Breaks. That's yeah. cool. So I'm not sure it, it well, obviously goes by acres, but it's not, you know, I know one of the programs you guys have out there is based on usage. Mm-hmm. First based on usage. Well, this is not, this is based on probably percentage of property taxes and the chunk of property they have. So that, I'm sure that helps, you know. Um, oh, if those kind of programs could just, like ours is pretty, ours has got to be one of the very best and it still can't keep up with the outfitters. Oh, uh, really? It's straw. I mean, we, it was it, as peak it. We just had the guy. Well, you probably you heard it. The one, the mm-hmm. block management episode. As peak it had seven million acres. It's down to six million now. Oh. And again, that's a consequence of hunting TV and hunting social media. Um, yeah. the, the so we're doing things here now. I'm involved in another group. I'm a, I'm a founding member of Montana Hunters for Access, who's just a, it's a brand new group. Like, we're about to have our first fundraiser here on January 20th. At oh, that's the flyer you sent me. Yes. Okay, yeah. All right. Odium Brewing brewing in, in Miles City. Before the podcast, or before the fundraiser even happens, we'll have our website up, and people can donate to this. It's cool. just showing appreciation 
to large landowners that are enrolled in the program, doing work projects, buying them things, um, thank you gifts, that sort of thing. So is there going to be a link up somewhere like guy like me could donate to it? Yep. Yep. Okay. I'll, I'll make you, I'll make you aware of it when it's, when it's up and I've had a, yeah, and I've had a couple of people reach out through, to me through this Instagram thing that are willing to give too. So, nice. um, if that, if, if those programs could start to be, get more traction in other States, it could t- help turn this whole thing around a little bit. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. And, you know, who knows where I'll be in a year from now. I might just be working on that and I'll give up on being a common, uh, of being a gadfly to the hunting industry, you know? Mm. Well, I wouldn't give up on it. I mean, you might not have time to do a weekly podcast, but I'd still stick up with it. It's important. Yeah. You're giving a voice to a lot of people that don't have that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. There's something that's there's there's something there. There's something behind just the hunting community maturing a little bit and realizing what the real threats are, and then doing something about it. And this gives people an opportunity to do something about it and show up and fix down. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Show up and fix some fence or 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 you know whatever. uh, Do some cleanup. Whatever whatever needs yeah. to be done and and maybe maybe if there, we can just like have a cultural shift where it's not about money it's just about being thankful and giving a little help around the place and it, maybe that helps to prevent it from turning totally into a rich man's thing you know mm-hmm. oh yeah well yeah that's what happened in europe isn't it it's just oh yeah oh yeah thing. oh yeah oh yeah so I made some connections there's, over there, and it's it's not large, like a poor man's thing anymore. <laughs> yeah, oh no, 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 no. And there's parts of this country now, like you know, I've talked to so many people from all over. There's places that where you barely have any opportunity to hunt unless you have shelled out big bucks. So, yeah. well, and this is so going back to you know access and stuff that in Wisconsin there's there's plenty of places. You're just driving down the road. So these these properties, like I was telling you about, they have a yellow marker on them, and it says "open to pub- private land, open to public hunting." That's so awesome. There, there's a number of them out there, you know. And if you drive down towards Milwaukee, just off the highway, there's the Kettle Moraine. Oh, I shouldn't even be saying this, but <laughs> it's a a big area where you can access. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I I just don't know if there's. I don't know how many people use it. You know, mm. turkey season. It's only for turkey season, right? Just no, that that property is totally different. The oh. one I the one I utilize in the spring, definitely only for turkey. There's another one about 20 minutes from there that you can use for anything. Mm-hmm. But so you said, I, yeah, I think you told me an email that if you try to deer hunt it, it's a zoo, right? Good luck. Yeah, I don't even. I will not try to public land deer hunt in the Fox Valley area probably ever again. Mm-hmm. Unless it's late season, because some of some of the pieces are so small, like forty to eighty acres. You show up and there's one guy in the parking lot. I'm not going to go there. Yeah, I'm not going to go there. Some guys will and just go bust up that guy's hunt, but I, I want a bigger chunk. So that's why I go way up north, where my chances of seeing deer are probably pretty slim. But but I'm you a, can wander. I'm a hunter, so I see them. You know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you can go on there. I mean, even up there this year, I I found a new spot last year with a bunch of scrapes in it. 
about a mile back and I thought nobody was here this year. I'm going to come see if I can't see something here. Mm-hmm. Next yeah. So I got back there. That's cool. About an hour after light, a hunter comes walking right by. I'm like, oh, oh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah. So I moved and I, I found the deer. I saw a whole two deer <laughs> <laughs> that this year in Wisconsin, but Hey, that's all right. I mean, I, I put the work in I found out where they were and I saw them. So did you get one? Not in Wisconsin, in Michigan, I got a small buck and a doe. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Those are in the freezer. I'm going to go back to doing my own processing too, which is something I loved to do before. Yeah. Uh, Now I'm doing that too, so. Hey, uh, I don't know how to, if this is me doing you a favor or you doing me one, but if you, what's the the program called again? It is. uh, managed forest law and forest crop law so they're they're two different things law law yeah that's this from back in the 70s i believe so if 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 somebody's property is a part of this as well they'll, they'll get a tax break and they need to allow people access to hunt that um but they have to also manage it in coordination with the dnr i see so so, that, so I mean, there's good benefits both ways yeah if you uh, if you would if you would put me in contact with somebody that's intimately involved in that i would have them on okay i can see what i can do yeah so just to highlight the program you know yep that's important yeah definitely i bet you they jump at that chance okay because not how many people go on the the dnr's website and actually read into that yeah i know why it is yeah find it'll, out why they have access to that that property in the first place yeah, it'll be a, it'll be an episode. It would be the conversation would be something that might not have a lot of value for people outside of Wisconsin, but I still just think it's critical. Mm-hmm. Well, and it could give you know people in other states an opportunity to maybe, if they don't have stuff programs like that, to maybe get the balls rolling on that. Yeah, too. yeah. And I'm sure that every state has their own different public or private property, public wildlife type program, but you know. Like you're saying Montana is one of the best. It's the best. So maybe it's got the most elaborate others. program okay. for sure. Yeah. And you know, do you think it's, do you think it's based on the type of access and type of land per state? I mean, you, you live in, in Montana and that's a lot of ranches, a lot of mountains, right? Mm-hmm. So, well, okay. So it's different in every state. Uh, well, it's kind of interesting. This is a state that has a lot of public land, hmm. and it still has this big access program. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it seems like these programs would be even more well-developed in states that didn't have as much public land. And Wisconsin's one of them because we got a lot of farmland and whatnot, and especially around me, it's a lot of private. A lot mm-hmm. of rest, little pockets of public. Yeah. So the more access we could get, the better for guys like me. Yeah. 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 So um um I'm so, hoping I'm 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 hoping you'll uh you'll do that for me. Put me in touch with somebody and and maybe yeah, if I, you if you'd be willing, if you'd be willing, you could come on with, with that person and me and me and we could talk about well, it. that'd be awesome. I got a, a guy that uh is involved with uh was it pheasants forever? And he has some contacts in the DNR, so I could possibly see what he has to say. Yeah. 
touch with somebody. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I went hunting in Wyoming in 2006 and, uh, I think there was a program. I think it was private land, public wildlife or something. I, I can't remember what, but you could get a list of, uh, ranchers and just call them up and say, Hey, you know, could I access your pro your property? And the majority of the, the guys that I, the ranchers that I contacted were just willing to let you hunt there. And that, that was nice. Mm -hmm. you know? Um, I don't know if that would be that, you know, 16 years later, if it's still, no, the same you can imagine. You know? You yeah, can imagine it's not nearly yeah. what it was 16 and years that's ago. That's too bad. I mean, I looked up today. I was just curious. It was $274 for a general general deer tag back then in the Laramie region, I think it was. It's 374 now. So oh. it's like, it just keeps going up. Yeah. yeah 374 was what it you could have gotten a bull elk tag. Mm. Which funny story. <laughs> I was I had my finger when I was on online in 2006. I was gonna click for the bull elk tag. And I thought that's that's a little more money than I can afford it. Oh, I should do it. I'm never going to see one anyways, right? Uh -huh. I see. I had the biggest bull, honestly, I've ever seen in my life, walk by me, twenty yards in a drainage ditch thing, the little runoff thing. <laughs> I didn't have a tag. <laughs> oh, oh man, that broke my heart. I just oh. had to sit there and look at it. Yeah, bye bye. I always have. <laughs> I always have everything I could. I, I never, I'm, I, I never, like, I'll forget all kinds of stuff when I'm out hunting, but I always have every tag just in case. And I always have way more bait than I need when I go fishing. Yeah. yeah. I like I this fear of running out of bait, Deeper running out of ammo, running out of bait, not having yeah. the right tag. I might yep. forget, I might forget my sleeping bag, but, or my <laughs> gun, or my gun. <laughs> yeah. 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 Don't forget the gun. You throw your bullets at them. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that, yeah, that's, I don't think I'll ever do that again. I will never hesitate on getting a tag. Cause boy, if I, if I had that tag, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. I'd, I hadn't made it, made it back out West again, but that's like one of my, I'd just like to do it one more time in my life. Get out there and Alaska too. I have a buddy up in Alaska Oh, to do a caribou hunt. That is honestly, that's like my bucket list hunt. Okay. That's my dream. Okay. Yeah. Well, you have a buddy in Miles City, Montana now, too. So I, if you end up getting a tag here, I would love to go with you. So oh, that would be an honor. I'd love it. Thank you. It, I it, I just can't talk to hunters without feeling like a deep, like most hunters, guys that, gals and guys that I can tell do it for the right reasons. I just instantly have a feel of connection to them, you know? Right. So I've thrown yeah. that out to several people now. So, yeah. And, and I mean it. So. Well, thank you. That'd be awesome. Well, we got each other's contact number. So if you ever yeah. make it back this way either, you know, let me know. Yeah. We can go, uh, we can go, um, do a suicide run on public land here for Jason. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's scary. <laughs> well, uh, Jeremiah, uh, unless you have anything else, any other wisdom to impart, I'm going to carry on. No, I'm sure I'll think of a number of other things when we're done here. Over well, the next day. well, when you <laughs> but, when you have this access person on, we can talk about them. The, yeah, those things then. So yeah, I'll I'll do some I'll do some footwork on that. All right, thank you, sir. Yes, no problem, man. Thank you.